0: Hello, and welcome to the Wonks with Whiskey podcast. I'm your co-host, Tom Warwick, and here with me, as always, are my co-hosts and good friends, Clay and Eric.
1: That's right. Demoted back down to regular old co host <laughs> <laughs> No
2: more absolute reign of uh, Tom over the rest of us.
1: <laughs> I am the podcast. <laughs> well, why don't you just read us some news, whipping
0: boy? Well, we've got a great show for you guys today. But first, the news. Two separate research papers revealed scientists created living structures that resemble human embryos for the first time ever. Known as, and I you not, blastoids, (laughs) the clump of cells are similar to blastocytes, which form after an egg's been fertilized. And for you Republicans out there, that means after people have had sex. Scientists achieved this by using stem cells or reprogrammed skin cells and then grew them in lab containers. Sprinkling in some biochemicals, and there you have it. Pre-embryos that look just like the real thing. Except scientists say they are likely aren't viable. Ethical questions aside, it's an interesting step for science.
1: So, if I'm hearing you correctly, basically what you're saying is... This is one of the first somewhat successful scientific steps towards creating artificial life. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they haven't seen Jurassic Park, man, but
0: life finds a way clay
2: also i think they could have used a better term than blastoids that sounds like something out of like have. space invaders
0: <laughs> i think blastoids is perfect <laughs> deb holland a member of mexico's uh, laguna Pue- pueblo has become the first native american cabinet secretary in u.s history the senate voted 51 to 40 to confirm the democratic congresswoman to lead the interior department an agency near and dear to all of our hearts This agency will play a crucial role in the Biden administration's ambitious efforts to combat climate change and conserve nature. Her confirmation is as symbolic as it is historic. For much of its history, the Interior Department was used as a tool of oppression against Americans' indigenous people. In addition to managing the country's public lands, endangered species, and natural resources, the Department is also responsible for the government-to-government relations between the U.S. and Native American tribes.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, we covered this when we first talked about Biden's cabinet nominations, but uh, definitely given the work that the Interior Department does long past time that uh, a person of Indigenous descent led that department.
0: A gunman killed eight people at three spas in or near Atlanta, Georgia. Six of the victims were women of Asian descent. Authorities arrested the subject, a 21-year-old white man, and charged him with eight counts of murder. This hate crime, committed by a domestic terrorist, has been part of an alarming trend of violence committed against the Asian American and Pacific Islander community since the outbreak of the COVID-19 virus. You
2: know, in addition to that, uh, if you may remember, one of the sheriffs also said that the the gunman was just having a bad day, which is just a disgusting attempt at an excuse for killing eight people. I mean... This is not even close to anything. That's also the reality of the situation as well.
0: A gunman opened fire at a grocery store in Boulder, Colorado, killing 10 people.
1: Wait, this is a separate one.
0: This is a separate one. (sighs) Oh, God. This included 51-year-old police officer Eric Talley, who was praised for his heroic action in responding to the attacks. A suspect was arrested and taken to the hospital for injuries. Officials are still investigating the motive and are getting help from the FBI. The district attorney said they are launching a painstaking investigation and wants action beyond just thoughts and prayers.
1: Yeah, the fact that our news clips at the start of our monthly podcast can feature not one, but two domestic mass shootings is probably a sign that we have a little bit of a problem that requires more than thoughts and prayers.
2: Yeah, I I saw someone, I think, on Twitter say, you know, it's, it's... uh, concerning that the only thing that stopped mass shootings in America has been a pandemic.
0: <laughs> Oof. Oof. Yeah. Last week, Georgia Governor Brian Kemp signed a Republican led state bill that imposes new voting restrictions. It is the latest state to pass such a bill since President Biden won the election. But there could be more in the works. A nonpartisan organization found that there are over 250 bills across 43 states that are trying to curb voter access. But we'll touch more on this in just a minute. In the meantime, what are you drinking, boys?
1: Well, uh, pull back the curtain a little bit. I'm, uh, we're recording fairly early in the morning here, and uh, I'm just having a little Irish coffee. I thought about a margarita, but before <laughs> noon on a margarita, I just couldn't stomach it.
0: <laughs> There's, um, do, you, wow. do either of you watch Arrested Development? uh yes yes no there's a great clip where uh the now late jessica walter asks her son for a uh, vodka and her son responds it's it's breakfast time and she's back with something along the lines of like fine then in a piece of toast <laughs> 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 so that's that's the uh the, the attitude of these early morning uh recording sessions for uh, walking whiskey. <laughs> uh
1: what about you eric where do you drink them
2: um, I'm actually risking my membership on this podcast right now because I'm only drinking water. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> I yes. know, I know. Wow. I just I I, I, I Boo also this was drinking man. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I had a I I, I think... split a bottle of wine yesterday and I fell asleep for like four hours and woken up. <laughs> so I'm a little <laughs> it's it's strange
0: how old I feel. <laughs> I'm not old. <laughs> I had, this is unrelated to anything else, but uh, my little sister so graciously reminded me uh, that I'm only a few years away from 30 the other day, and I really mm. did not need that in my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, and that's, and that's why I'm drinking whiskey for breakfast this morning. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I will say, as I start to get a little older, uh, my body makes less and less sense. Uh um, <laughs> I know a great uh, Frank Sinatra quote for this one, right? Do I? <laughs> uh, I thought you would be on this one, man, man. I thought that was a a, a like an alley oop, and I allied it, and you didn't oop it. Uh.
0: And and typical to my uh, athletic prowess, you threw me the ball, and it smacked me in the face. Yes, you, he oopsed it.
1: But you don't know the quote. Um, I feel bad for people who don't drink they wake up in the morning and that's the first that's the best they feel all day
0: (laughs) i thought you were gonna go with the classic um you can never have a love affair with whiskey because whiskey will never love you back
1: (laughs) (laughs) but you can have a love affair with wonks with whiskey
0: yes you can because we always love you dear listener yes (laughs) all three of you
3: (laughs)
2: All right, and so, as, as Tom mentioned uh, during the news clippings.
1: Amazing tee-up on that.
2: Unfortunately, Incredible. this month, yeah. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, this month, uh, Georgia uh, recently enacted a number of new laws uh, relating to uh, voting and voting rights, which include, but are not limited to, you know, voter ID requirements for the absentee ballots, limiting access to ballot drop boxes, uh, criminalizing uh, line warming, uh you can't see my air quotes but i'm giving them around there are many air quotes happening which yeah (laughs) that's
1: what it's called when volunteers go and hand Mm -hmm. out food and water to people in extremely long voting lines to encourage them to stay yeah
2: yeah uh you know you know these laws also shortened uh the time for runoff elections almost eliminating the use of mobile voting buses uh banning provisional ballots for most cases of of out-of-precinct voting and um, other things there is you know one of the i think possibly one of the only good things that come out of these new laws is expanding uh early voting days for the general election but i feel like and i i feel like i'll be in agreement with with the rest of the two of you um that pretty much everything else is bad (laughs) or seemingly an attempt to limit uh Georgians access to to actually being able to vote and, and making it easy and, and uh, effective to, to, to vote, easy and efficient, really. Um, and, and so, yeah, no you know,
1: disagreement here. And mm-hmm. honestly, even the increase in early voting days is, I mean, honestly, that's just like a you know a throw-in to make it look like it's not all bad. Um, but some studies including one by 538 quite recently have found that early voting actually does not impact turnout significantly at all um as early voting Hmm. has significantly increased over the last like two decades national turnout has been pretty much flat so the people who early vote are just people who would have gone on the day of anyway.
2: That's interesting. So, so like you're saying, you know, these early voters would have just been people who would have who were already going to vote anyways, regardless if they were going to be able to early vote or not. Yes, exactly. That's interesting. And, and, and so, you know, to to sell this whole new package of laws and regulations, uh, Georgia Governor Brian Kemp has quoted as saying, "Easy to vote and hard to cheat." Uh, which is just a little, I guess, a little cutesy quip <laughs> in an attempt to try and disenfranchise, or at least attempt to disenfranchise or at least pr- try and disencourage, you know, people who
1: might not vote for the Brian Kemp's of the world to actually go out and vote. Man, Republicans are so good at that, aren't they? Like are the so good it, at making those little taglines, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, death, death tax, tax, that's yep. another one, you know. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Repeal and replace. They are... Yeah.
2: Yes. <laughs> that was a lie, which was really just oh, oh, what well, that that statement was half true, but and you can guess which half was <laughs> not true. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <Oof>.
0: <laughs> but and I think it's I mean, looking at the the electoral history of Brian Kemp if you will. I mean, this comes as no surprise. I mean, this uh he was originally Georgia's Secretary of State um who oversee uh oversaw Georgia elections. And he made a uh, lifelong enemy out of the oh-so-formidable uh, Stacey Abrams when some foolishness went down uh, in regards to his uh, governor election when suddenly, um, you know, votes weren't being counted and all sorts of screwy things were happening. It's it's always funny that he's now the champion of, uh, you know, free and fair elections. It's I think it's also even
2: more funny because wasn't uh... – brian kemp in charge of you know georgia's voter database when it accidentally leaked everyone's names and social security numbers of registered voters in georgia and now this now he's coming out here about six years later talking about how he's trying to make <laughs> voting <laughs> better <laughs> for Georgians. Well. i mean it's just ridiculous yeah and i think it's a clear it seems as though it's just you know i think of it as we've touched on earlier this is kind of a clear attempt to try and you know prevent people from voting for you know for against you know the camps of the world
1: yeah Um, i mean i don't think it's like a crazy uh logical step to say that if i make it like a major pain in the ass to vote then people who are kind of like fringe voters maybe like not And I don't mean fringe politically. I mean, like they're not regular voters or low Mm propensity voters. Like if you're the kind of person who only votes every once in a while and it's a huge pain in the ass to do it, you're probably just going to go from not every once in a while to not at all.
0: You know, no one really thinks it's a coincidence either that this, uh, you know, this this uh, new law is coming after, you know, historic swing in Georgia from traditionally Republican to two uh, Democratic mm-hmm. senators and a, uh, throwing its electoral votes to a Democratic nominee. I know st- we've talked about it at length, yeah. so I won't really you know, uh, go too far into it. But Stacey Abrams and her uh, political organization down here have made leaps and bounds in getting not just like traditionally disenfranchised voters, but new voters out to the polls. Uh, and suddenly, you know, Democrats win and suddenly the Republicans think the election system is rigged. Yeah. Yes,
2: exactly. <laughs> and and I think that's what something I want to touch on or kind of jump off from what what, what Clay just said is that you know, in, in addition, you know, if these also might disincentivize new voters from going out to vote if they now see it's even harder than it was before to go vote, they're like, well, I don't want to have to go through that hassle, or it's just it's too much of a of a time suck for me to go do this. So I'm just gonna do- hopefully someone else you know <laughs> votes instead of me. Um, so. So, yeah, these is clearly just ways in which we're trying to disincentivize people from voting. I mean, the most ridiculous thing is, is criminalizing the line line warming, you know, which is handing out food and water to people in lines, which is just wild.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, that's just, like, that's so transparent, right? I yeah. mean, it can't be anything else but an attack
0: oh, on 100%.
1: grassroots voting organizations.
2: Yeah, because yeah, we... we we know for, you know in the ele- you know the general election that happened in twenty twenty, uh, there were hours long wait mm-hmm. times to vote in like metro Atlanta areas. So you know these uh, these 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 policies are also going to disproportionately affect you know areas uh, of people who who might be voting for Democrats. You know generally, of course, not, not everyone there is going to be voting for a Democrat, but generally would usually go for for Democratic candidates. And so you know these these right uh, and these the laws will other also- thing
1: is. Oh, go ahead. Sorry.
2: Oh, I was going to say, you know, these things... Oh,
1: I forgot what I was going to say now. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Scooch out there. Scooch out. Stepped on your line, man. I'm sorry. No, no, it's um, fine. But I was going to say, the, the other aspect of this, which is what makes it so insidious, is that the reason these lines are so incredibly long is that these Republicans who run their state's election process Make sure that the Democrat-heavy population areas, the areas where you would expect Mm -hmm. most people to vote Democrat, you all know what I'm talking about, right, are not having enough polling stations, Mm -hmm. the polling stations aren't having enough machines, Mm -hmm. and these lines just build and build and build all day long so then by the time, like, the after-work crowd gets there, Mm -hmm. you know, you've got two, three-hour lines, and that's when you see all these people start tweeting if you're in line you're allowed to yeah. like you are allowed to vote if you're in line yeah. by eight
0: that's crazy well it's interesting too i know the uh, the brennan center yeah. actually did a study specifically in georgia about um the, not only like the history of long lines but their effects so they analyzed the 2018 election and found that voters of colors um, mm-hmm. on average had to wait in longer lines at the polls uh, a lot of this was due to Um, They saw this again in in 2022, Um, and they kind of realized that a lot of it was a resourcing problem as well. So it wasn't just like the outright um, laws that were suppressing voters, but even like denying jurisdictions the resources they need, like voting machines or uh, increasing the number of polling stations that they could go to. You know, this forces them to uh, wait in these longer lines um, and you know like you say as soon as you're you're standing in a line for two three hours like you know if you can't get the time off of work or if you know people have lives and need to do other things as well um, as important as voting is it's hard to convince someone that they need to just stand there for right exactly you know, two to three hours for uh, to vote
1: yeah exactly how am I supposed to like slip out and take care of it on my lunch break if if
0: it might be half my the working day? line
1: is <laughs> Right, exactly. The line yeah. is 4 hours long, Oops. especially when you're
0: talking in, <laughs> you know, jurisdictions where people might make hourly wages or, you know, uh, you know, mm-hmm. don't have necessarily like PTO time to take.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that's another thing that really impacts the people who need to have their voices heard the most. And it's, these actions are also impacting the hardest. And, you know, like I'm a white-collar worker. My work gives me time off to go vote i was allowed to take up to three hours of like civic duty time to go vote Mm. and even if that wasn't the case it's like a flexible office working situation you know hey boss i'm just gonna pop out early and vote i'll come in early tomorrow to make it up or whatever if you're Mm -hmm. working at like a restaurant or a bar or a grocery store or a gas station or wherever else like that's not a thing you know you're you're paid by the hour so Mm -hmm. you gotta be there Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, and and I think you know we're we're, we're I think we're just about the cusp, but you know talk you know we've kind of laid out these issues, and you know we I think we're you know of course then actually going to talk about some solutions, but I also think we should mention that um, you also can't ignore the historical context of um, these attempts to try and limit um, individuals' ability to vote, especially in South and in, in states like Georgia, you know, and a lot of this feels as though it's an attempt at reenacting at least uh, some kind of version of, of like Jim Crow uh, type of policies um, across the state.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's yeah, pretty obvious who, uh, who these guys are targeting when they're passing legislation like this. Like it's no secret. Um, even mm-hmm. uh, uh, Senator Warnick, who the, um, sorry, Warnock, who is one of the, I'm sorry, Warnock, who was one of the newly elected senators from Georgia, called it uh, Jim Clo- Crow in New clothes. Uh, when he made his uh, debut speech in the Senate. Like you said, the language that they're using and the, of the legislation, like there's no, there's no hiding it. They're trying to suppress uh, the votes of people of color. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And just one last note when we're, as long as we're talking about history, some more recent history, which I feel like um, if you follow our Twitter at Wonks underscore W underscore whiskey, <laughs> I've been tweeting Always up the Always be plugging. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the Voting Rights Act, a lot of people like have kind of forgotten at this point, but seven or eight years ago, the Supreme Court actually struck down some key provisions of the Voting Rights Act that required uh, a lot of states, I think it was had something to do with the proportion of the minority population living in the state. And it was mostly impacting the former Confederate States, which had enacted these Jim Crow laws that Tom is talking about. But in short, they, these States needed to get basically pre-clearance, like pre-approval to make any changes to their voting laws. And that provision specifically was stricken down by the supreme court who decided it was unconstitutional i think it was justice roberts who
0: the the uh before before you get to the majority opinion the uh late great uh uh rbg had a fantastic quote about it uh it was something along i don't know if i'm quoting it directly but it was something along the lines of um you don't put away your uh, umbrella in a rainstorm because you're not getting wet (laughs) exactly
1: (laughs) yeah And it was the majority opinion, which I believe was, uh, written by the still alive, not as great Justice Roberts, who (laughs) said, (laughs) who basically said, uh, well, that's nice, Ruth, but we've got a black president, so racism is solved now, right? Yeah, this is, (laughs) yeah, I mean, that's just so,
2: so stupid. (laughs) <laughs> it's just dumb it's just dumb <laughs> all right so you know i think we've kind of covered you know at least a lot of these issues um, especially you know created within georgia but i also think a lot of these things also are kind of national issues that affect individuals in nearly almost every state um so let's take yeah, i think we should take a look at you know what are some solutions that that are possible uh to try and you know increase voting access um for for people So, and I think before we start, I think it's also important to note that, uh, you know, there are, there's a significant hurdle for any, you know, federal change uh, in voting rights because most aspects of elections are determined at the state level um, and not by the federal government. So it it can be very difficult um, for legislation at the federal government level to have a lot of effect um, or at least necessarily address a lot of the issues that, that exist within these different states, just because a lot of it's, the, you know, the, the authority is delegated mm-hmm. to the states. But with that aside, you know, I, I think one of the more popular uh, solutions, uh, as it were, to, to help increase uh, voting rights is to try and make voting a national holiday, meaning, you know, giving people the day off from work, to, to go out yeah out.
0: that's that's one of the ones where you're just kind of scratching your head wondering why it's not already a thing i feel like a good majority of the policy solutions uh for you know uh increasing voter turnout increasing voter access just you kind of just like sit there and wonder like why why isn't this a thing already and i think the national holiday is definitely falls into that category
1: yeah I remember i think uh it was a year or two ago when the debate about scrapping columbus day kind of kicked back up one proposed solution was to get rid of columbus day and just move it to voting day and make that the new holiday (laughs) yeah and you know we we
2: we see that you know for uh, you know pew did a study um that was updated in november of 2020 that found that um the U.S. trails most other developed nations in uh, voter turnout. Um, so, you know, the, the implied argument is, you know, if, if you give people the day off from work, that creates one less hurdle
0: that people have to go through to actually go out and vote. Yeah, I think the um, as much as I like this solution, though, I think the one issue that still kind of remains is that, again, as the three of us with our white collar jobs, like we, we get federal holidays off. But you think about people uh, like Clay mentioned earlier, you know, whether they're in retail or food services mm-hmm. or other hourly jobs, uh, often they don't get those kind of days off. It might not necessarily address the, the larger group that has been traditionally denied the ability.
2: There already are also effects currently of, you know, polling sites not being able to handle the current amount of voters that are attempting to vote. So, you know, this could address a hurdle to getting out to the voting polls but this doesn't really also address other issues that would still affect those potential voters when they get to the polling site and they might still have to wait hours and hours and hours to actually get in and actually vote
1: yeah and so that brings up an interesting point which is like what if we did it on more than one day um Mm -hmm. and that's actually it's i did a little research I know. Shocking. (laughs) And it's not...
0: Wait, you mean we're not just yelling what we think This isn't opinion-based? You want me to read?
1: (laughs) It's not uncommon, but it's not very common either. So I found four countries that vote on multiple days. Um, The Czech Republic, Italy, and India. India always votes over multiple days. Italy sometimes votes over multiple days uh the czech republic i think always does and then lebanon actually is the most interesting they vote on multiple days but they vote on consecutive sundays so it's hmm. spread out over a over a week hmm.
0: i know um at least for india i know the reason why they do that is just sheer logistics you know the quote-unquote largest democracy in the world uh it takes them a little while to Yeah. You know, Get all of the uh, resources out there so people can actually, you know, pull the metaphorical uh, lever.
1: They do take that very seriously, though. I mean, I'm sure at, you, at least you guys, but maybe not all of the viewers have heard, you know, the story which pops up every time India has an election about the precinct with one person at it. And it's at like a temple in the like middle of the jungle yep. mountains <laughs> somewhere. And India sends like five people and helicopters in a voting booth for this one monk who's taking care of this temple, and he votes. I love that. Yeah, (laughs) I love that too. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? (laughs) Like, it's it's just incredible looking at the philosophy there compared to the philosophy here. One country is actually really, really trying to get people to vote. Mm Mm-hmm. And one country is really not.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And so, and and I do want to ask you, do these four countries also typically have at least a higher rate of voter turnout or at least high rates of voter turnout as well?
1: Well, I actually don't know about Lebanon. I didn't check on Mm -hmm. Lebanon, but the other ones all do. Okay.
2: Interesting. And so I do want to ask that, you because as you mentioned earlier in, in, in the program, that you saw that there was a study by 538 that found that these early voting days don't necessarily increase voting turnout in the U S. So, so is it just, is that due to some, like a cultural difference, um, or, you know, in, in terms of, you know, voting attitudes in the United States versus other countries or what, you know, what do you think is then the difference between, you know, why, you know, more days increases
1: voting turnout in these other countries? So one big thing is usually it's consecutive days. So it's like the main day of the the voting day and then a second day immediately after Mm -hmm. or something like that. You know, it's not like early voting in the U.S. where it's like a week that comes a month before the election. I mean, I don't know if you guys have ever thought this, but sometimes I don't like to early vote or vote by mail because in my head i'm like okay well i'm sending this off in september or october Mm -hmm. what happens if something changes in the next month and i end up wishing that i could change my vote you know
0: right Mm -hmm. for me it's always been and to be fair full disclosure i haven't voted in person uh in quite a number of years now (laughs) i've been uh cruelly torn away from the great state of Maryland, (laughs) Uh, but i'm still registered to vote there so i always have to send an absentee ballot but um, there's also just something nice about walking in on voting day mm. and pulling back the qu- curtain and actually, like, you know, touching the machine now because it's not really a lever. Yeah, uh, and you get uh, the
2: sticker, um, and then you get to ask questions yeah. from White House staff That's my to, to that's, them.
0: That's the public policy issue I need changed. I demand that Maryland send me an I voted sticker when I send them my ballot because I have not gotten a sticker <laughs> since 2012.
1: <laughs> you know, hey, look, at this point when it comes to getting people to vote i'm willing to accept anything so (laughs) so my personal little pet change that i think we should make is one that i actually kind of just came around to while studying for this episode almost every other country in the world votes on sunday we are weirdos for voting in the middle of the week (laughs) it's like us and maybe a dozen other countries which vote on a weekday and let me tell you a lot of those countries that vote on a weekday the day is also a holiday which we discussed Mm -hmm. (laughs) so we're one of the only we're one of the only countries in the world that's voting on a weekday and it's not a holiday
2: Well, do you think that might be due to, you know, a large portion of Americans who, you
1: know, go and attend, like, religious services on Sundays? Um, If anything, I mean, I think, uh, I mean, separation of church and state aside, I feel like doing it on a Sunday is actually, because of that, a good reason to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, Not because I care that people go to church but because if you think historically if a business is going to be closed it's probably on Sunday because of Mm -hmm. the still standing cultural implications of the Christian Sabbath and so (laughs) if people are going to be more likely to have off because they're supposed to be going to church they can vote too they can do two things on one day
0: (laughs) yeah that's uh... (laughs) There's actually, uh, it'd be interesting too, to see how that affects, I know, um, especially in the South, uh, traditionally like the African American church community has been one of the biggest, uh, proponents of, uh, getting people out to the polls. I mean, uh, souls to the polls. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Souls to the polls. I mean, Martin Luther, like he began his, uh, Martin Luther King, uh, so Clay doesn't get, uh, confused, <laughs> um, started off, uh, a lot of his activism from his church in Atlanta, mm-hmm. um, So I know that's, a, uh, you know, that could even be a kind of additional plus is that, you know, you you go to church in the morning and then you take the entire congregation down. Well,
1: and it's funny because going back to why we're initially talking about this, that was another thing that was criminalized under this Georgia bill is using, you know, private organizations or whatever, using buses to bring voters, you know, pick up voters and take them to the poll and then take them home, which uh again, complete attack on grassroots organizations, especially because yeah. the people who need things like that are people who don't have cars.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's just an attack on yeah. people who don't make enough money or, or in a financial situation where they can't afford their own transport or you know would be disincentivized yeah, or even money. like
1: just like too old and like can't drive anymore or whatever like yeah. what like you're like your license is revoked because you're old and you've been in a bunch of fender benders so we're also going to discriminate against you <laughs> so you can't vote I mean, yeah. don't get me wrong. I'm a huge proponent of ageism, but that's a bridge too far. <laughs> oh,
0: my God. <laughs> oh my God. The, the views of Clay do not necessarily affect the <laughs> views of the Launch of the podcast. <laughs>
2: well, I think that's, that's a good point for us to start, try and also talk about, you know, another alternative, which could be, you know, automatic voter registration.
0: This is this is another one where you kind of scratch your head and wonder why we don't already Yeah, know. I mean, is exactly. there, like,
1: a compelling reason to not do it?
2: I can't think, you know, it, I think it's no secret that, you know, the three of us, we kind of lean towards more like a Democratic style of uh, politics, or at least agree more with Democrats. Oh, not on, always, I of take, course. Hold
1: on. Hold on. I take <laughs> offense to that. I may lean to the left, but I do not lean to the Democratic Party. Well, I'm just That's trying to, s-
2: <laughs> I'm, I'm only trying to describe that we're, we're more left of the, on the political spectrum. We,
0: we are a little more on the left. Yeah, Clay. Clay looks to his right and blows a kiss to uh, Carl. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh,
1: Empty but, um, Basil's accusations. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't even think of a reason
2: why individuals, you know, in the Republican Party or on the right side of the political spectrum would, would have issue with this, because this is also often done in relation to the government confirming that you are who you say you are, and you are of the age to vote. You know, selective service, driver's licenses, Mm -hmm. other things where you're already confirming your identity to the government, that you are who you are, and you're you're eligible to have these services, so why not also automatically be registered to vote?
0: Yeah, and we do kind of an almost light form of this already. Um, Back in the 1990s, of course, they passed the uh, Motor Voter Law, which... um, allows the uh you know your state dmb to register you to vote when you go to you know get your driver's license or renew your driver's Mm -hmm. license um good program but as clay kind of alluded to earlier still not great if you can't drive or can't afford a car or you know have no reason to go sit in a uh dmb for a couple of hours or
2: even if you just don't drive you know if you live in a major metropolitan city you likely might not have a car or a driver's license so there, would, you would almost never interact with, you know, an organization like the DMV, who would then be able to to register you to vote.
1: Uh, exactly, yeah. exactly. And like something like almost ten percent of U.S. households don't have a car, and that number is going up because, yeah. like mm-hmm. Eric was just saying, As people are moving to cities. Right, and... People living areas where they have access to mass transit, or they live close enough to their job that they can walk or people making a like an ethical decision to bike instead and more Mm -hmm. and more people don't have a car and don't have a reason to go to the dmv Um, and like tom pointed out the government already knows all this stuff like come on the government knows (laughs) you your name your birthday they know when you're turning 18 they know your social security number they're the ones who gave it to you idiot so like i don't see like we have all the pieces like
0: hey hey, keep keep the federal government out of my social security yeah they're
1: already sending every man in this country a piece of mail when he turns 18 saying Mm -hmm. hey sign this line to say that you agree to the draft that's a topic for another month by the way sign this line to agree to the draft or else we're going to cut you off of all these, like, potential services in the future. And so they already know when people are turning 18. It's not that hard to say, like, and by the way, you're registered to vote now, too.
0: Right. Right. Registered. Hey, that almost almost seems like a fair trade. Register for the draft, get to vote.
2: (laughs) Well, let's not, let's certainly not tie... being able to vote to register for military service let's not well, let's well not no no that. you know you know what <laughs> yeah, i mean. I, know. I, know. <laughs> I but i don't want it to get twisted we're certainly not suggesting that you have to volunteer for military service to be able to vote this isn't starship troopers we're not in some like fascist futuristic society <laughs> i'm doing my part <laughs> yeah exactly i'm doing my part <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. um oh, but yeah, and I think also we, we, we kind of already discussed this, but also you know Congress reenacting portions of the Voting Rights Act that was struck down by by the Supreme Court, or at least finding a new way to, yeah. to, to try and reenact these policies, um, would also be a solution. You know when when <laughs> it's just it's just so ridiculous that these counties that have a pre have, have a history, a documented history of voter discrimination, no longer need supervision to make changes that will likely discriminate against voters
1: yeah. we trust you now yeah
2: when they it's yeah. just
1: it's just yeah um
0: well it's not only the history too i mean the active active attempts since mm-hmm. then like we, it's
1: happening right now we're talking yeah. about it. it's happening yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like it's a thing it's not like it's not like they've you know, absolved, confessed, did their mm-hmm. penance. Like no, oh, motherfuckers are still trying to uh, suppress voters. <laughs> it, d- it didn't <laughs> stop. Right. It, it never stopped.
2: But we're now just. But now the Supreme Court's just saying, all right, well, you know, whatever, just go about it again. We can't stop you.
1: Yeah. And also, I feel like this ties into um, our conversation as a month or two back about statehood mm-hmm. um, for DC and Puerto Rico, and. There's a lot of parallels in my mind because really the Republican Party's electoral strategy is primarily get people who are going to vote for the other guy to not vote. And if it's, we got to keep them from voting, then we'll keep them from voting. And they, Mm -hmm. you know, they say it all the time in the statehood debate around DC, which, um, has really sparked up in the last few weeks. We, uh, we really called it with that episode. Yeah, we were just uh, like a month early. Um, we're thought but leaders. People will say, "Oh, this is just a power play by the Democrats," you know, because this is mm-hmm. going to be like two Democratic senators for them. I'm like, yeah, you know what? So what? I would still want DC to vote even if they were going to vote Republican, because I know it's that's not a good reason. Yeah, yeah this, <laughs> saying they're going to vote for the other guy is not a good reason to keep them from voting.
2: Yeah, no, it's just it's just political disenfranchisement. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. And then you attempt to say that you're a party of law and order and rules matter and that you want, you know, elections to be fair. You know, no, you don't. Don't say that. You're blocking <laughs> an entire group of people from becoming a state because you don't like how they'll likely vote. Like get out of my face with that crap, anyways. Um, you know, I think you know there. And then I think lastly, and this will just be very brief. You know, increasing staff at voting sites. You know, increasing the number of machines at voting sites to help also make voting when you actually get there faster, more efficient, and easier, and you're able to process more people in shorter amounts of time. Uh,
3: yeah, yeah. You know.
2: So, I think that you think that you know. Georgia passed a lot of bullshit laws that are hopefully going to be challenged uh, in the courts and overturned, if not uh, overturned through the legislative process before that.
0: See, there, Stacey Abrams is about to go on a uh, Sherman 2.0 uh, march across the state here, so I'm looking, I'm looking forward to seeing that. I think, uh, I think Brian Kemp doesn't know what he's dealing with right now.
1: So, uh, a big change of pace from domestic news to international. Uh, I'm sure we all saw that the royal family of the United Kingdoms is in the news again. uh, With very famous and important American actress Meghan Markle... Finally telling her side of the story of her struggles during her marriage, which is still going on, uh, to some loser who's like sixth in line to the English throne or something. I don't know, but
0: he's, he's the only one of the Royals I actually respect.
1: Um, but anyway, they did an interview with Oprah, which Mm -hmm. neither here nor there, but, uh, did you know she got her start in Baltimore? Uh, on Baltimore. No, I didn't. Yeah. Uh, So, we'll. I'll tell that story another day. That's a story for another day. But for those of you who, like me, didn't watch the interview, I've got a couple highlights for you. Here are the the key takeaways. So, first, the Royal Family Organization, whatever, mechanism, apparatus, Mm. uh, declines to intervene... And stop racist tabloid attacks against great American hero, Meghan Markle. Uh, they also threatened to cut off that loser nobody, Prince Harold, uh, financially, if he <laughs> married Markle. Before they were even married, they were like, we're going to cut you off if you marry her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um and also apparently the royal family itself was pretty f- racist towards them
2: to the surprise of nobody
1: yeah um
0: they... <laughs> wait you're telling me a group of people who live in a taxpayer uh taxpayer funded housing palace not housing let's also be clear that's not
2: just housing that's a palace
0: <laughs> multiple palaces yeah what, what's the plural of palace? palisci pal- 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 <laughs> <It's... laughs>
1: Um, but apparently they were worried that the child of this loser and the great Meghan Markle uh, basically would have too dark of a complexion, Ugh. whatever that means.
0: Which is surprising, given how pale Prince Henry is. I know, right? Like, <laughs> Harry, uh, Henry. Look all
1: like a bunch of ghosts, every one of them. They could use a little pasty pasty English. Oh, my God. Um, But anyway so this interview kicked off a big you know abolish the monarchy uh sentiment at least a lot of tweeting in the uk so i realize we're all americans and it's uh easy to throw stones when you don't live in a glass house uh but what do you guys think (laughs) of all this
0: i uh i take i take a little bit i'm gonna i'm gonna slow your roll there uh clayton um i actually harry is probably the only member of the uh royal household that i have one any interest in or two any uh respect for um he's actually uh the the royals like to dress up in military uniforms a lot and kind of parade around uh but harry's actually the only one with a legitimate uh service record uh he was uh he was a um Army Air Corps pilot uh, flying medevac helicopters. He actually had uh, two deployments to Afghanistan. Um, the second one was actually cut short after it was... Uh, he, he did it secretly, the idea being that he was uh, kind of a high-profile target for the Taliban, uh, so they wanted to keep the fact that he was in-country quiet. Uh, so his second deployment was actually cut a little bit short because they found out he was in-country. Um, but he was... Like uh, uh, I said, he was in there... Uh, I think, in 2011 and then 2013. Um, but he flew a couple of, uh, couple of missions. He's also done a lot for uh, the Invictus Games, which was kind of his own uh, creation, where he uh, it's basically a, a Paralympic-style uh, sporting event for uh, American and British uh, servicemen who have been uh, injured uh, in wars. So I will say, uh, Harry's cool in my book, but the rest of them, then we can shit talk.
1: <laughs> eh. Yeah
2: i mean we all i think also the this uh, to to answer first clay's uh question uh the monarchy shouldn't exist that is correct <laughs> there should not be yeah
1: andrew what are you some kind of monarchist
0: how dare you sir <laughs> <laughs>
2: the monarchy shouldn't exist you know it, it you know as, as you know many would remember as well um Back, I think, in, in 2019, you know, Prince Andrew, also his ties to uh, oh. Jeffrey Epstein uh, were oh. <laughs> were also publicly revealed. But the royal family was effectively fine with that and just didn't have him go out <laughs> and do public things. But there was nothing else after that. So they're fine with somebody who's who had they're fine with the member. Yeah, they're fine with a member of their family being associated connections with, you know, someone like jeffrey epstein but they're also then they're gonna turn around and, and you know be incredibly racist and also just, just cruel to to megan markle um you know yeah. during the during her interview she was talking about how her how she she was bullied and she she wanted to you know die you know and these other you know things that you know, were, were put upon them or put upon her, excuse me, by, you know, the royal family. And they refused to have her, to allow her to get help in any way, any meaningful way, you know, and she just had to suffer there. I mean, this is, this is really, you know, just likely this is the tip of the this iceberg. This like, get out. Yeah. I mean, this is the tip of the iceberg for, for some of these things. I mean, I, I, I saw clips of the interview as well, where there were other things I think that they have alluded to that are worse than what they publicly stated happened, but they didn't want to say it, you know, because they were, you know, either afraid to, to to discuss it publicly or or they, they I guess, felt some sort of duty to try and protect, you know, other members of the family. But I, I think this is also just the tip of the iceberg for, you know, just these cruel, racist, uh, just <laughs> disgusting actions done by the royal family to members of their own family, too. It's mm-hmm. just, it's yeah. just disgusting. It's just disgusting.
1: Uh, plus, I mean, like the whole ireland thing i mean that's just another reason to get rid of them right <laughs> <laughs> i mean you boys yeah. know, uh what's 26 plus 6
0: one united ireland
1: damn right <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it the royal fa- i mean
2: it, in addition to ireland you know all the other colonial states that they you know i practice you know colonial imperialism um you know
1: yeah, all right. Throughout well, the world, we honestly. we did just do a whole episode about Puerto Rico, which we just referenced a few minutes ago. So we should probably stay mm. away from glass house territory.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, we can all be wrong at the same time and say that we're wrong.
3: <laughs>
2: that's 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 I an think, American tradition. <laughs> I think we all. I think we have to at least be able to recognize that uh more than one person can be wrong at the same time. But I think, in conclusion, royal family sucks. They're sucking at the teat of the British taxpayer, providing no actual benefit to society in general. It's it's time for them to go. They're a, they're an institution of a bygone era.
1: You go out and like you pay for it, and this is what you get. Like,
2: <laughs> yeah. I if I was a if I was a British taxpayer, I'd be demanding my money back.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> this, no, yeah. like... and. United Ireland.
1: <laughs> yes, this is a firmly pro Republican podcast. <laughs> the other kind of Republican, the Irish Republican, the, the not Irish the other kind. as we, not the American Republican kind. As we, we are we are so. proud
0: drinkers of Jameson whiskey, or at least some of us are, Eric. All right.
2: I mean, just because <laughs> yeah.
0: I think Bushmills is, Bush is also
2: good doesn't mean that I think Jameson is bad. <laughs> <laughs>
0: thank you for listening to another episode of the wonks with whiskey podcast you can follow us on twitter at wonks underscore w underscore whiskey and please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts we're looking forward to bringing you more content next month and until next time keep your glasses full